Welcome to the first ever Trail Runners Association of Hong Kong podcast. My name is Steve Corey, one of your co-hosts for this episode, and I'm joined by Steve Phoebe. Steve, welcome. Thank you, Steve. It's great to be doing this uh, first podcast with Track, and uh, there's certainly a lot to talk about. Interesting times that we've got going right now with uh, some smaller races going ahead. Uh, but obviously the talking points and some big disappointments uh, regarding OTW. Uh, I don't think anyone expected what was going to happen in terms of OTW being declined their permits to go ahead this year. Super disappointing for all of you out there who have been training and for the organisers as well. It's very disappointing and really bad uh, for the RDs that have put all the hard work into it and also all the uh, competitors that have been training hard. I've been seeing them for weeks, groups of four along the trails, along the MAC. So, you know, very disappointing. Why it's happened, we don't know. The government's excuses, you know, the cross-contamination of regular hikers and runners on the trail, uh, even though the runners have a PCR test and they're also double vaccinated. uh, And there's only, I think it's what, uh, 2,000 of them compared to uh, 18,000 that ran along in the middle of the city uh, on the Standard Chart Marathon. But anyway, Steve, what's your take on what has happened? Well, a lot of people were pointing out on Facebook that it does seem inconsistent that the standard chartered Hong Kong Marathon went ahead and OTW isn't. Um, yeah. It is quite curious that around the standard chartered marathon, well, there was a lot of media about certain slogans appearing on clothing. And then about three days after that, you know, the news about OTW landed. But uh, the official reason given was uh, the risk of hikers catching covid from fully vaccinated runners but let's yeah yeah especially for the organizers who have already delivered a very detailed online briefing for participants i mean that included some changes to the route what was available at each checkpoint different starting times during the day for different teams so uh yeah just really feel for the organizers but it is what it is we did pre-record some interviews with runners for this podcast where they were training for OTW. Uh, we recorded that a couple of weeks ago. So I know a lot of people would have been doing so, but hopefully you can still apply that training to some other events which are going ahead. So Steve, uh, what do we have on our very first episode? What have you got for us? Well, we do have a fully stocked episode one, which I hope everyone will enjoy either during your long runs or if you're lying on the sofa at home. So we have none other than Will Haywood uh, of Four Trails Ultra Challenge of Big's Backyard fame. Recently, he did the 4x4 Challenge back in Hong Kong, so we'll talk to him about that. We talked to Janet Ung, the president of Trail Runners Association of Hong Kong, to tell us a little bit about what the association is about. Also got a few snippets of runners at recent events. We'll spend a couple of minutes talking to John Ellis and then Elliot Freudevu, who did quite a crazy personal challenge of Ferre Dark uh, on a Friday night and the Action Asia Hong Kong 50 the very next morning. So lots to talk about. Sounds great. But first of all, now we've had some races in Hong Kong, 
last, which is great. Have you done any? Well, me personally, so uh, I was happy to finally join some events after a very long break. My previous one was January 2020, feels like a previous life now. But in September, we did have some short races back. I did about three midsummer races organized by XTE. Uh, we've had the Ferre Dark also by XTE. Uh, Action Asia have had a few events. They had the Lantau Twin Peaks, they had the Hong Kong 50. Just a couple of days before we're recording this, Steve, we had another Action Asia event, the Heisen run and hike i think it's called and tgr had their first event back as well the immortals 15k so a lot going on uh i was very happy to just go out and follow some arrows and ribbons on trails for a change and i caught up with a few local runners one of which was none other than john ellis i hope john ellis was dressed appropriately for the interview and had his shirt on he didn't, so uh, let's hear what he had to say. So I'm at the start point for the Ferre Dark, 45k on the Maclehose tonight. Uh, I think perhaps one of the first ultras, actually, uh, recently. So I'm with John Ellis here at the start line, shirt off, uh, shivering a little bit. It's about 19 degrees. So, uh, John, how's the training recently, considering we haven't had too many races? Yeah, well, it's come off a low base. Um, you know, we haven't really had races here in Hong Kong for 18 months, so it's a lot of time to get fat and unfit and drink a lot of beer. Um, but now that the races look like they're starting again and uh, I've got a pretty fast trail walker team and I'm pretty scared of being the slowest, uh, the training seems to have come along pretty well. <laughs> Is that the motivation for tonight, get some training in for trail walker? Yeah, I love this race as a, as a good sort of warm-up for, for trail walker. You get to do the most interesting bits and yeah, if you can do it as a team, it's even better. Awesome. So any particular goals tonight, like target time, or are you just out to get the kilometres in? Yeah, just not having raced for 18 months. I think it's hopefully just a little bit of a confidence boost. I'd like to get a, a decent time, um, get through it without an injury, and, yeah, be sort of pretty happy at the end. Awesome. Well, uh, if I'm not too much slower, I might see you at the finish line, but uh, you might be long gone by the time I get there. In any case, have a good one. You too, Steve. Thanks very much. <laughs> So was there any uh, other people there? I heard that John come third, did he, I believe? Yeah, he did. He kind of said in that interview that uh, he was just looking to get some training and getting back up to speed. I guess after such a long break for anyone, if you've just been out training, it can be a bit hard to understand where you are. So, uh, yeah, it might be interesting to see how different people get on as they get back into races again. But I also spoke to... Elliot Freudevu, who had the same plan that I originally did of doing the Ferry Dark in Hong Kong 50. This is what he had to say before the Ferry Dark. 7 a.m. Elliot, you're doing both, is that correct? That's the plan, at least I'll try. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> but I believe you're doing the same as well. I am, actually. So what gave you this idea? Well, why not? I mean, it's a good um, one, it's good to put miles on my legs, and two, it's good to actually. Um, Go from one to one event to the other, where you where you stop, you your legs seize up, and then you need to get going again. And it's actually quite a good training for if I want to do something long in the uh, in the future. 
So 45k, then a break, then 50. So how are you going to approach it? I'm going to try and do uh, same time for both. Okay. Okay. So a bit of pacing involved, but yeah, just slow, slow to start, and then uh, keep the same steady pace on the second race. So no, no, I'm not going for time. I'm not going for anything. I'm just, this is just basically a, a training run and nutrition run as well. So I'm eating a lot, just trying to make sure that um, I, I I practice my nutrition. Awesome. So uh, condition of the races at the moment, we've got water and pakari at checkpoints, but no solid food. So what is the nutrition I'm plan? I'm my food anyway for the two races. So the idea is I, I, I have a heavy pack and I just, uh, just deal with it. Awesome. Well, have a good one. You too. All the best. Yeah. So that was Elliot before the race, uh, just out for you know, a consistent run across 95K if you combine the two races. Wow, yeah, Elliot is a bit of a nutter if you ask me. Uh, he's a glutton for punishment. He did, uh, I think he went and did an impromptu miler uh, in Sweden this summer. He was supposed to be in a 200-mile race. Uh, I think something happened. It got cancelled at the last moment, and he put his name in for a race he did a couple of years before. And he, I think it was like literally 48 hours before the race start. So not much training or anything. And uh, he went and smashed it doing the miler. So Elia is uh, quite a force to be reckoned uh, with. And to see him uh, do the Ferre Dark uh, and then slink in a taxi to get to the Hong Kong 50 starts doesn't surprise me at all with that man. He certainly does love his long challenges. So let's hear what he had to say after the Hong Kong 50. So Elliot, thanks so much for checking in with us again. So we spoke at the start line of the Ferre Dark. Your plan was to do that, take a taxi ride, then do Hong Kong 50 the following Correct. morning and i understand you did finish the hong kong 50 for a combined 95k so how did you get on it went well it went well um i uh the, the plan is to to put uh to put some miles in my legs and to start uh training for a big challenge i have in february um so i wanted to take it easy but uh steady so the first uh the first race was the foray uh 45 dark 45 and really, the idea was to have even splits for the two races. So I took it easy. I I finished in just over seven hours. Um, generally felt felt good. Uh, of course, you know, with these distances, you always have a bit of a low, but it was a, it was a short low. Um, and then uh, and then I finished, and I saw you at the finish. Um, and then we you know we grabbed the taxi together, and then uh, I just went for a little coffee at uh, at home and just uh, uh, offloaded my headlamp and changed my clothes and brushed my teeth and jumped in a taxi and went to to the peak for the next round it went uh, it went well it went well i mean uh, apart from you know obviously after after uh, you know 50k plus uh, you start to feel it in your legs but i felt strong i i kept a steady pace um, uh, and i finished i think in 7 hours and 20 minutes which you know my target was 7 hours 30 for both each uh, so i was under my target so i was happy with that I, you know i felt good i felt strong uh, I ate uh, solid food as I was planning to. Um, uh, my heart rate was always relatively low in zone one, zone two. So, you know, good. I'm happy with that. It's good. It's good training. 
Excellent. And extra kudos to you for actually taking a taxi home and uh, brushing your teeth and taking another taxi <laughs> back to the start for the second one. It must have been very tempting just to uh, lie down and catch up on lost sleep after the first overnight race. Well, no, actually, no, it wasn't going to happen because uh, when I when I went into the bedroom to uh, to give a kiss to my wife, I realized that uh, our two children and my wife were on the bed. So there was no way I was going to be able to sleep on that bed anyway. So. So I saw no purpose of actually uh, staying home. I thought, you know, I might as well just uh, go ahead. And I, I felt fresh. I, I didn't feel tired. I felt uh, I felt good. I felt good, which which, to be honest, um, is, is a relief because um, uh, the last the last couple of weeks uh, or maybe two months, I've been feeling a little bit uh, flat. I've been you know struggling with a bit with my fitness. And, and uh, so this was this was good. This was a good weekend for me. And it, it gave me confidence. It gave me. It gave me back my. Uh, I feel like I've got my my running mojo back, and it's 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 really important, especially with the the kind of distance that I need to be doing in the next couple of months. Excellent. Well, uh, a unique challenge. It's not often we have two events that end up being timed a few hours apart. So, uh, well done on getting the job done. Yeah, thank you. I mean, uh, initially we were supposed to, you know, my my coach uh, had planned for for doing just the Action Asia, and then obviously. When uh, when the news came with uh, with regards to uh, to Faray Dark, uh, it was short notice. But uh, I asked the question to to my coach. I said, uh, "What if I were to do one and then followed by the other?" And he told me, "Well, this may be a good uh, option for you know for a start stop uh, uh, training." And then when he told me maybe, then that's for me maybe is a, is is you should go ahead. So, so I went and I signed up and uh, I think it was, it was a good decision and, uh, and I really enjoyed it. And, you know, I haven't, I haven't raced in Hong Kong since 2019, obviously with the unrest first and then the COVID. So just the idea of just racing and, and, you know, I didn't really care about the time. I wasn't, I wasn't particularly uh, uh, worried about that, but just the idea of being, you know, at the start line and, and having everybody there and, and the atmosphere and the competition, I thought it was brilliant. And I was really, really happy to, uh, to, to, to be part of it. So, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel really bad in one sense for, for all the organizers. They've had it really tough. Um, but I think the fact that they're organizing, and even though the numbers are small, hopefully people will, you know, support as much as they can, because I think it's, you know, they, they're trying their best. And it's not always that simple, I imagine, with, with the times, the current times. Uh, but they really did a good job uh, for both both organizers, and I, and, and I really enjoyed it. So it was good fun. Good weekend. Good call. Uh, definitely is tough for organizers, so echoing what you say for people to get out there and support them. The good news is there should be more races coming up. There's a lot more that have now scheduled dates. So uh, all the best to you for the rest of the winter. Thank you very much, and all the best to you, Steve. Huh? Before the Ferry Dark, I also spoke to uh, three ladies who are training for OTW together. So let's hear from them. So I'm with a few more runners here. We have uh, Ivy Long, very active in the local trail running scene. Ivy, is this your first race? Uh, um, I won't say post-COVID, you're still in COVID, but since races are being approved, is this your first one? Yes, absolutely. I've done a few virtuals, but this is the um, real um, race that I've done since um, COVID in 2019. So how, about, how are you feeling about this one, considering it's the first one back? Uh, pretty nervous, but happy to see familiar faces. 
And I see you've got a couple of friends here as well, Claire Aoyang. Um, is this training for OTW? I believe you're a team, or what's the motivation for tonight? Well, the motivation is to keep IB company, and hopefully we, <laughs> we, we can actually switch our entry to a team of two. So hopefully we'll do a good time, stick together, do a good time, beat our time last time. So, yeah. So what's the target? Eight hours. Oh, beat the sun, beat the sunrise. Yes. That's a good target to have. And uh, only water and pakari at the checkpoint. So what's the plan with nutrition? Oh, I've never carried so many food with me. So, yep, I've got bars in jail. So, yep, got a good practice for OTW on the nutrition. Great, and one other person standing, well, I've got four of us, so anyone else walks up, we'll have to shoo them away. Uh, would you like to just give an intro for the listeners? Um, hi, I'm Steph, and this is my first ever race, so definitely a big one to start with. So I'm training for OTW. So. You do realise most people do a 10 or 15k for the first race, not a 45? <laughs> we have to start big, so. And your second ever race will be OTW. Yes. <laughs> okay, that's pretty crazy. So how are you feeling in advance of your first ever trail race? Um, a little nervous, but it should be fun. <laughs> Stick together, maybe. So. Awesome. Well, you've got two great teammates here. So uh, have a good evening. Enjoy the race. Cheers. You too. Good luck. So that was uh, before the Ferre Dark, the Friday, October 22nd. So, Steve, I understand around the same time you flew to the UK, you've got something coming up over there? Yeah. Uh, when did I come? It was I can't remember now. Basically, the weekend before I flew, I did the uh, rally challenge. So I did the, the Wilson Trail in one go. And, uh, oh, that is brutal to do it all in one go so 82 83 kilometers uh and i think i registered on my uh chorus it was around about close to five thousand meters of vert uh but basically yeah i started off i thought right i want to do as much as i can not in the sun but in the dark uh because i find that the sun and you know the heat of the day with the temperatures being it kind of really grinds me down so i started if around about 4 p.m uh at the twins in stanley and then uh basically yep hit it went through the night and then got to uh cloudy hill and patson langer early the following morning uh all on my own and then uh yeah, it was a great trail, very technical, lots of roots and rocks and stuff to turn your ankles. So you have to be uh, going careful. And I was not going full metal jacket either. Uh, I was really just taking my time. I just basically my aim was to have time on feet because uh, with some of the upcoming stuff I've got at the moment, that's more of the training I'm going for, uh, just not for speed. Uh, but yeah, that last bit from Pats and Meng going down to Nam Chong seems to go on forever. And then, uh, my advice is never arrive into Nam Chong on a Sunday, uh, you know, midday afternoon because getting a public transport out of there is a nightmare. Uh, so yeah, so once I got out of uh, Nam Chong and got home and recovered, uh, Will Haywood popped round. And uh, basically, because I live very close to Pak Tam Chung and the start of the Makahos, 
So, uh, yeah, so uh, had a run out recovery run with uh, Will Haywood uh, the next morning at four o'clock in the morning. Uh, didn't go far, only did uh, six or seven K and then uh, I went back because I had uh, my bags to pack. And uh, yeah, I've flown over here to the UK and uh, basically started running around in uh, feels like subarctic temperatures. Uh, where it's a nice, uh, cool, anything between 3 to 11 degrees centigrade. Lovely. So uh, I'm sure running during the Hong Kong summer didn't prepare you for that. So what do you have coming no, up in the UK? No, uh, I'm only here for 10 days and then I'm off to Tenerife, uh, where I'm doing uh, what they call now a workcation. Uh, so I'll be working out of Tenerife for a while. Uh, but I do have a race K42 Canarias. So yes, I'm uh, my coach Casey Morgan has told me that I should join this race called the K42 Canarias. Sounds a bit strange, but uh, yes, uh, I've looked at uh, the route. It seems like to be a subtropical route up in the mountains in North Tenerife in a very desolate area. So I'm looking forward to that, and that's in December. But with uh, on Tenerife, the other thing I'm looking forward to is the hill work there because their highest peak is around about 3,700 metres. So uh, quite a bit higher than Lantau Peak, although this one in Tenerife is a volcano. So hopefully uh, it doesn't uh, get annoyed. You're certainly getting around, Steve, and you're doing something called the spine as well. Yes, I've got the spine uh, on January the 6th. I'm only doing the shorter version because I want to see what it's like uh, before I go for the the full one. Uh, but the, still, the kit requirement and everything is exactly the same. Uh, the amount of stuff I've had to buy, it's costing me 10 times as much as the race entry itself. Uh, you know that I've got to get a sleeping bag, I've got to get a bivy bag, I've got to get a cooking stove, I've got to have a handheld GPS, which I've got to learn how to use. Uh, so, yeah, but uh, up for the challenge, I'm really, really excited uh, about this. I've read about it over the years, especially some of the people that have won it, like John Kelly, who won the Barclay Marathons. Uh, he was the last finisher, I believe. Uh, also, the big one, Jasmine Paris, uh, who won it outright and smashed the course record. I think that was back in uh, 2018, 2019, quite, just before COVID. Uh, but yes, I'm uh, really looking uh, forward to this. Uh, I've done a bit of cold weather running before in the snow. Uh, so uh, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, so a good race. Uh, before I come back to Hong Kong and face three weeks being banged up in a hotel room. Well, I certainly do envy you doing a couple of races overseas, that's for sure. I mean, do they have the same requirement that we're now seeing in Hong Kong in terms of being fully vaccinated and a PCR test before, or what's the story with that? Believe it or not, no. <laughs> <laughs> really? Uh, yep. Uh, for the Spanish one, uh, I think I've, I don't have to do it. None of them require a PCR test or any kind of test before the race. Uh, I have, the spine hasn't asked me, uh, but the K42 Canariaras has asked me if I'm vaccinated. And I just said, yes, I'm vaccinated. 
Uh, I presume I will have to show them some evidence of that later on. Uh, but yeah, it does seem, and looking at the race starts and everything, it does seem to be a lot more relaxed than uh, what it is in Hong Kong. Uh, when I did Ferre Challenge at the weekend, I was dying for a banana. Getting to the checkpoints, so I just realized how used I am to having food at checkpoints. So that's a bit of a change for people as well. I think, yeah, I think that might be a change. And I think that is a way we can adapt, really, because, uh, you know, there are other races where they, people do go longer times without food or anything. Actually, it just means you might have to literally train uh, to, and, uh, you know, eat on the go or have food with you and monitor how many calories you're taking in an hour, etc. Uh, I mean, like the spine race I'm doing, uh, there's, uh, you know, for 80K, there's uh, only one checkpoint after 80K. So, you know, literally they check that you are carrying a minimum 3,000 calories. Uh, so, you know, whether that is a way forward where, you know, under 50K, you know, you got to carry your own nutrition. You don't really have to carry that much. It is doable. It's not impossible. Uh, but I think it might be have to be a change, uh, especially if these rules stay in place. Uh, but I think it's just, uh, you know, if everyone knows, everyone can train towards that. It's just, it's just a couple of little tweaks. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, water, you know, I think they should actually give a little bit of electrolytes as well, you know, maybe water and Picari sweat or tailwind or something like that already pre-mixed in big containers and pour it out but obviously they have to work with the rules that they are given so steve just generally we're going to be doing a number of these podcasts what are we going to be covering well we intend to have a few interviews uh with uh uh, fellow runners, uh, you know, some names you might know, some you might not know. Uh, hopefully get, uh, you know, some people talking about nutrition, coaching, and uh, all good things uh, regarding trail running. We also uh, want to do this in English and Cantonese, so there will be a Cantonese version. Unfortunately, not hosted by me and Steve, uh, basically because our Cantonese isn't quite up to scratch. Uh, but yes, we hope to have some uh, exciting uh, upcoming episodes. Please let us know if there's anything you want us to discuss, to talk about, if there's a person you think we should interview, etc. And we'll try and get them on here. So we have Janet Ong with us. Janet is the co-founder and co-race director of the Hong Kong 100, president of Trail Runners Association Hong Kong, and also, as of recently, now the president of the International Trail Runners Association. So no rest for you, Janet. No, indeed. Um, my work has piled up exponentially recently. Well, I'm delighted you've come and joined us for the first Track podcast. Um, so I understand you are one of the founder members of Track in 2018. Do you want to just talk us through a little bit of the background and maybe what Track's mission or purpose is? 
Yes, sure. Um, so what happened was that um, back in about 2017, um, we saw that um, trail running is really growing very quickly, not just locally, but uh, internationally as well. And um, we have a very um, a closely knit a trail running community here where everybody knows everybody else and uh, Everybody wants to um, do 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 something for the bigger trail running community. So a group of us, um, about thirteen of us, um, got together and thought, "Why don't we start a trail running association? It will be good for the sport. It will be good for um, promoting the um, the sport generally, and also um, to develop trail running." Um, and um, nurture our newer generation of trail runners in Hong Kong. So um, a group of us um, who are runners ourselves, um, who are organizers, we all thought that, um, yes, let's let's do that. Let's have a trail running association because um, we don't have one here, um, just looking after the interests of uh, trail running locally. Um, so we just started from there, um, uh, put together in associ uh, uh, articles of association, put together um, uh, a, a company limited by guarantee, and then uh, we went from there. Fantastic. So I understand some of the founder members or committee members at Track are some quite well-known names in the trail running community in Hong Kong. So who are some of the people that are involved? Yes. Um, so actually, um, it's a really young association and um, the uh, people involved are we can really call them the uh, the 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 stalwarts um, of the trail running community here um, it includes um, uh, uh, I think everybody uh, locally knows um, Stone Zung um, uh, who is um, one of our best uh, runners and also he's involved in the um, anti-concretization project um, uh, which is uh, trying to uh, um, prevent um, our trail our trails uh, uh, all become concrete uh, all um, yeah paved with concrete uh, there's a whole Wong Ho Chong uh, another elite athlete there are um, a whole bunch of race organizers as well um, uh, who are involved uh, in in the association, uh, including uh, organizers of um, uh, Translantau, Moon Tracker, um, Us Hong Kong One Hundred, and uh, also we have uh, others uh, who are involved in um, uh, more the uh, the the. the corporate side of the brands, um, including um, uh, John Ellis, uh, another elite runner, and also um, the founder of uh, T8 and, and Gone Running. And also we have uh, others who, uh, who really represent um, the trail running community here. Um, I have uh, off the top of my head, uh, had um, Sam Tam, um, uh, Nikki, another uh, very well-known uh, runner here in Hong Kong, and um, a, a, a bunch of others. Uh, Philip, uh, Philip Ng, uh, who uh, also uh, has uh, been very much involved in uh, local uh, trail running uh, work. 
So quite a wide representation of the community then, it seems. So what are the, some of the things which Track have, has been doing recently? Yes, yeah, so I mean, we, we are all being affected very much by the uh, pandemic. So in the last uh, year or so, we've been uh, trying very hard to uh, lobby the government to restart trail running. Um, as, as we all know, um, trail running practically stopped last season. And uh, uh, this this season, we have just started to see some uh, events uh, uh uh coming through uh physical events and uh we're we're hoping that uh trail walker uh, fingers crossed will will be going ahead uh with uh, no glitches or smooth uh next month and uh, so we've been um meeting the government uh we've been writing to them and uh steve uh, you have very kindly um started the initiative of collecting uh, signatures i think it was over uh, 1,000, it was 1,200 or more uh, signatures uh, from trail runners um, to lobby the government to restart trail running. And so that that has been uh, a big part of what we were doing. Uh, we came up with a set of safety protocols that uh, a lot of um, the local race directors have signed up to um, to to give assurance uh, to runners, to the government uh, to, uh, that uh, we can restart uh, trail running safely. And um, other things that we have been doing uh, is we will continue to monitor the situation on uh, the Trail World Championship, whether it will go ahead. And of course, we uh, have been and we will continue to provide uh, support uh, to uh, our elites um, uh, who we think uh, should be represented uh, uh, internationally in these uh, international uh, events. And um, we also have been uh, supporting um, uh, Wong Ho Chong in uh, his efforts to drive uh, the start of uh, coach uh, uh, trail running coaches programs and also grassroots programs that are in, involved in uh, nurturing the newer generation. So um, taking younger runners, new talents uh, onto the hills um, to let them uh, trial trail running. That's great. And everyone's certainly very proud of what, what Wong Ho Chung's achieved on the trails, but uh, good, good to hear what he's doing as well in terms of coaching, but just a lot going on with track. So that's really great to hear. Um, great. Now we've got physical races back. I know for Hong Kong 100, you've got a date set for January as well. So um, good luck with that. And uh, good to hear what track's doing. We'll also be producing these podcasts in English and Cantonese as well. So COVID's been tough for everyone, but looking forward to better times from now on. Yes, indeed. And um, uh, I hope to see you at uh, Hong Kong 100, Steve. And uh, thank you so much for taking up this initiative of um, doing this podcast. I think um, it's super. I mean, I'm certainly going to be like um, listening to these um, podcasts. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of uh, other trail runners will do too. Cheers. Well, uh, I certainly am planning to do Hong Kong 100, so looking forward to it, uh, as well as producing some of these podcasts. So uh, thanks again for telling us the background of track. Uh, I'll be seeing you at future committee meetings as well, Janet. Um, so I hope everyone listening kind of follows what we're up to 
Um, become a member of Track if you're not already. You can look it up on www.trackers.org. Thanks again, Janet. Thank you, Steve. Great to hear from Janet. That leaves our feature to last, and I'm sure everyone's going to really enjoy this interview. We were lucky to sit down with none other than Will Haywood, who put Hong Kong on the map when he was the last man standing at Big's backyard in the United States last year. So let's hear a bit about Will's background, uh, what his experience was there, and his recent 4 by 4 challenge in Hong Kong. But we just want to congratulate you on your recent achievement of doing four trails of Hong Kong in four days. I was lucky enough to get to witness a tiny bit of it. Uh, but yeah, we have some questions and we'd like, uh, you know, to share uh, you for you to share your adventure with the audience and tell us a few more details. First of all, could you explain a little bit uh, for those that don't know you uh, about yourself? Sure. Uh, thanks, Steve. And thanks, Steve. Um, pleasure to be on uh, on the uh, Trek uh, podcast. Um, so I'm from New Zealand originally, been in Hong Kong on and off for about 20 years, um, been running ultras for about 10, and I guess running really long ultras for about four. Uh, and by really long, I mean more than 100 miles. I'm keen to know, Will, a bit about your earlier background, actually. On the your ITRA profile, your first race listed there is 2010. Um, so did you used to be a bit more normal like the rest of us before you started doing this crazy stuff, or how did that build up over time? Well, I'm not sure any of us are normal. Um, but, yeah, it was kind of a slow build. Um, first Ultra 2010 was the Kepler Challenge in New Zealand, which was 60Ks about 1300 meters vertical elevation and both those seemed extraordinary challenges that i was sure i would fail on but uh you know managed to finish that one about seven and a half hours felt really ill i think i might have thrown up on that one uh that became a pretty pretty common theme and like everyone or like many people uh i guess um finished that one and then thought oh well that wasn't that was hard but i survived i wonder if i could do 100 k's um, got into a trail walker team. It was actually a hiking team, but so so did trail walker a couple of times and uh, and yeah, and then just kind of kept running and the races seemed to keep getting longer. So you did Western States a couple of times. You did a very respectable 26 hours in 2014 and then 23 hours in 2018. You've raced in the Philippines. You've done CCC. I mean, any particular highlights of those earlier years if you can call it that um i think most of what those you named were highlights definitely running western states twice was a huge privilege and was extremely lucky that both times i got uh pulled in the lottery relatively early uh the first time was my first year yeah that's an incredible race very special hardcore 100 in the philippines is an incredible race and definitely when the borders open uh encourage people to go down there um uh, there's a few hong kongers who've, who've gone down to do it um, but, uh, yeah, probably quite a few people have raced somewhere in the Philippines and it's a great environment and great community as well. 
So yeah, I mean, I, I like kind of races that are a bit of an adventure. Uh, I'm not the fastest person out there. It's more about me kind of battling my own limitations, seeing if I can get to the end. Things that have more vertical, I guess, seem to be more interesting as well. So I uh, tend to be kind of drawn to those. You kind of mentioned you started as a kind of a 60, did 100. You, you know, did a miler, then you've done a lot more than that. So what was the really big step up? I mean, for people that are looking to do milers that have maybe done 100K before, I'm told it's a completely different ball game. Or is it after you've done milers and then you started to do the really big challenges was that the, the the big leap i mean how did those kind of different steps compare yeah i think to me the big difference is if it takes substantially more than 24 hours i think within 24 hours within kind of one cycle of light and dark um it's kind of one it's one long push but once you go significantly more than 24 hours it, then the, you be, it just begins to be a lot of other variables that you have to manage you know sleep definitely being one of them um but you know you can kind of get by for 24 hours on you know a few gels and you know some sweets and things but again like longer than that it, it, it starts to get challenging so of course if it's a really mountainy 100 miler that can be you know well longer than 24 hours um so it's not really the length of the race necessarily but the length of time um so i'd done uh i'd done uh western states as you said in 26 hours and then i did a really mountainy 100 miler in New Zealand, the Northburn 100, which is a hard rock qualifier, has about 10,000 meters elevation. Um, and that took me 32 hours, and that was definitely a challenge. Um, probably probably just kind of snuck in for my, it was, it was a little bit longer than one day, but not too much longer. Um, uh, and then from there, I was actually, I, I left Hong Kong, went back to New Zealand for a few years, did, did Northburn down there. And then it was coming back, when I came back 2017, I knew Andre. And so I said to him, I thought kind of a return to Hong Kong present, you know, might be trying to do four trails. And yeah, that was definitely a very different kind of uh, challenge. So long, so hard, um, definitely qualitatively different than uh, anything else that I tried. Christian, you're the oldest survivor of the Four Trails Ultra Challenge, if that's correct. And I think that's certainly what you are well known for in Hong Kong before your exploits at Big's Backyard. Uh, what's your motivation with some of these things? I mean, for Four Trails Ultra Challenge, you know, what motivated you to do it? And then again, with uh, Big Boars in Hong Kong first to qualify you for Big's Backyard, what's the motivation for these things? Is it purely personal challenge, testing your limits? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think four trails was was definitely a personal challenge. I, I tend to see things that other people do and try and figure out is that something I could do, and if it's something that you know Stone and Tom Robertshaw and Solomon Redstein do, I think maybe I can't. Um, but if it's other people that seem to be plotters like me, then I think well that seems extraordinary. But if they can do it, maybe I can too. So. Um, so, you know, so four trails is definitely something that uh, I just kind of wondered whether I could do. I had no idea if I would get to the end of it. Um, but, uh, but I guess I was kind of looking for, you know, for a new challenge. And that definitely seemed to be one. And I certainly got my money's worth uh, because it definitely was. Um, I've started it three times. I've survived it twice. I DNF'd once. And, uh, and yeah, each, each of the times it's been just an extraordinary journey. Um, but it becomes, 
less about the running and more just about the survival. You know, I've, I kind of, I guess, had dreams of getting under the 60 hours of being a finisher. I haven't done that yet, and I'm, I may not ever try it again. I'm not quite sure at this point. Um, but just surviving it is, like, I think a huge achievement I'm very proud of. Um, just because, it, yeah, you're out there so long, and you gotta, you, you got to solve so many problems. You've got to deal with, you know, going through two or three nights with no sleep. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, so really enjoyed that kind of challenge. Uh, in terms of the backyard, um, I kind of got into that. I, I knew about Big Dog's backyard in Tennessee um, just from kind of following North American ultras. And so I was just kind of intrigued by the format. I thought it was a very different kind of challenge. Um, and then when Steve Carr organized Big Boars and Race Base, uh, I told him pretty quickly I'd sign up because I just wanted to try it. I had no pretensions that I was going to win the thing. Uh, there were much better athletes than me there. So I just thought I'd, I'll do it for a while, see what it's like, you know, and uh, and take it from there. And then, yeah, kind of surprisingly won Big Boars uh, in 25 hours. And so that got me to Tennessee. And so went there with the same thing in mind just to kind of see what it was like. And, yeah, ended up running for two and a half days. Is there something in it uh, in terms of your Four Trails Ultra Challenge you mentioned? You weren't sure if you were going to finish the first time. Like, likewise, Big Boars, you didn't go with the intention of winning it, perhaps. You said there are better athletes there. I mean, if people come across difficulties and you know, Plan A has the wheels falling off, then they've got to move to a Plan B, is that a reason why some people stop, do you think? Is there something to be said with just going to an event without too many expectations? Definitely people can get undone by putting expectations on themselves that when they are unable to achieve them, or even just in the in in the event as they're worrying about whether they can achieve them, that becomes a weight that that you know can I think um, um, be something that be, 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 just becomes another barrier to get over. Um, so, yeah, so I definitely try not to have uh, really strong aims when I go into an event, just, just to finish is generally the aim, um, and then kind of see what happens after that. And, uh, and yeah, that kind of works for me. And I guess what I've discovered through these events is that I always kind of knew I was stubborn, but it turns out I'm a bit more stubborn than uh, I originally thought. Uh, and I seem to be stubborn even among all the stubborn ultra runners. So... I'm not sure, you know, to the extent that I have a superpower, that's the superpower. Excellent. So, I mean, Four Trails Ultra Challenge, it's self-supported while you're on each trail, so it's entirely up to you. But uh, one of the amazing things about Big's Backyard is on about 36 hours, I believe, you told your crew you're going to quit, and they didn't let you. Um, so, you know, tell us a bit what happened there. I mean, that was your, your crew kind of not allowing you to stop and pushing you on? Yeah, I so I had I had some friends, uh, Jason Heather Heather Padu, who I'd met here when they, when they were back in the states, and and they offered to come down and crew me, which was very very nice of them for for big dogs in Tennessee. Um, I'd made the mistake of saying to them that uh, I when I did big boars, I was feeling pretty bad. I wanted to quit, but then when I when the race ended, um, I actually felt actually I probably had more to give. And so, yeah, so I said to them, uh, I want to go until I don't have anything more to give, so don't let me stop. And, but during the race, I began, you know, I got really sore, uh, uncomfortable, 
and I was getting towards the end of the second day and going into the second night. And I just really was struggling to get the motivation to keep going. So I said to them, I thought it was time that I stopped, but they said, well, you told us that you wanted to keep going. So, so keep going. And, um, and yeah, it was really, if, I, if it hadn't been for them, I'm sure I would have stopped at about that point. Um, I thought, you know, that's 150 miles, that's 36 hours, you know, that's pretty honorable. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so they kept me going and I, so I kind of kept going for them rather, rather than for myself. I was like, well, they've traveled down to be here. You know, I can't let them down. Um, yeah. So I just kept going. Two kinds of mental strength, not wanting to let yourself down on some occasions and then not wanting to let someone else down either. But keep going, you did. A lot of people in Hong Kong and I think in New Zealand as well were following on Facebook. I think, was it lap 53 or so? Uh, it was you and Maggie Gertle left and she turned to you and said, I hope you're keen to go to 300 miles or something. I mean, what was your reaction there? My reaction there, that was a real low point. I was feeling really ill. Uh and so I said something to the effect of, I don't know if, if I can finish this loop, let alone, you know, keep going, um, which was because in that race, you're supposed to kind of have a game face. You're supposed to be saying, oh, I'm super strong. I'm going to be going, you know, for, for four more days. So I, I employed another a different strategy. Um, but actually, I then uh, I picked up some more crew members, just other other runners who who helped out and they managed to. Uh, you know, get some nutrition into me, um, got my kind of, you know, GI tract under control. So actually, so I, I kind of felt a bit better towards the end of that day than I did, yeah, did, did, uh, uh, at the start, but was completely exhausted. So, yeah. Amazing. Well, you did actually look totally awful after about yes. 30 hours. Famously. You, you could have just been on a, a zombie TV show as an extra 30 hours already. So that was an amazing achievement. Uh, everyone in Hong Kong and I'm sure New Zealand was very proud. Well, you know, that time when you're in a really dark, sort of low place, uh, is there something that you, you know, think of or something to sort of bring you up? For example, when I'm doing these long runs and uh, I really think, God, oh, this is terrible, what can I do? And I often remind myself of uh, there's this gentleman uh, who was uh, in his 80s, he was 81, and he finished the Lakeland 100 in 36 hours and i think i remind myself think if that man can do it why can't i do it you know i haven't got any serious injuries or anything i've just got a man up and do it because if he can i can so that's what i kind of use but is there anything that you use similar or something like that i mean i think that people that run with me might say i've become a bit of a robot i don't really have high highs and I don't really have low lows. And that's kind of the strategy is just kind of to stay pretty even. Um, and so, so, so I'm trying really hard not to get myself, not to dig a deep hole. Um, of course, occasionally you do. Um, I guess that I'm just, uh, I, I really don't like giving something, giving up and I don't actually need much motivation to keep going to the end um the challenge can be to then get started again so, so something, something like the four and four wasn't too much of a problem to finish each day problem is then waking up the next morning at 2 30 and going and doing it again um but yeah yeah generally i i find i don't i don't need a huge amount of external motivation um 
um, most of the time. Fink's backyard was actually a, was a different case um, because there you just you just dig the hole deeper and deeper and deeper. But um, but yeah, normally normally uh, I think I find it kind of from within. Mm, good. Uh, can you just explain now? So uh, now we're going to talk about the four in four challenge. Uh, which is all four of uh, Hong Kong's trails in four days, uh, which you did to raise funds for a, a great charity we all know, Run. Uh, could you just explain to us, like, you know, how things went on day one and how things went along? Uh, so basically, we know you started with the, the Lantau Trail. So can you just like describe a little bit of that day, how it went, what the weather was like, you know, stuff like that. So we get a feel of uh, what you went through on that first day. Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, the, the idea of doing the four and four was to do a big challenge, but maybe not quite, maybe not dig quite as deep as, as the four trails, which, which I, I had done, you know, about eight months earlier. Um, and so I was kind of interested on each day to, enjoy the trail not push too hard not really be trying to race trying to set a you know pr or anything like that um but just kind of enjoy my time out there and get done in time to get home have a sleep and then get started on the next day so um so lantau was yeah it was a friday it was pretty humid luckily the it was just after a couple of typhoons had come through hong kong was a little bit cooler and it kind of cooled down over the weekend, which was quite good timing. Um, but it was really humid that morning. Uh, got the 3 a.m. ferry to Moi Wo, uh, started at about 3.45 and just kind of headed up towards Sunset Peak, um, just myself and my headlamp. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, so, you know, a lot, of, a lot of Hong Kong runners will know quite well that you know the, the two peaks uh, over, and then then the, the smaller hills. You know, getting the first half done, getting to Tai Um and I was really cognizant of just trying not to, you know, push too hard, not to destroy my legs. I mean, I had, you know, three and a half more days to go. Um, didn't want to trash myself in the first six hours, so so took it pretty easily. Um, I got to Nong Ping about seven thirty in the morning, so. You know, nothing was open. I uh, had to do a refill at, at the toilets there. Had my filter, so that, that worked pretty well. Um, and uh, yeah, just kind of just really enjoyed the morning. It was really quiet, you know, because it was a weekday. There was no one else around. Um, so even you know the hills going down to Taiyo was really quiet. You know, it's beautiful over there. Uh, yeah, just had like a perfect morning. Um, got to Taiyo from memory at about kind of ten a.m. Um, and uh, happened to meet Vic So, who's kind of a legendary, uh, you know, uh, peak master, uh, I think first survivor of the four trails in its current form. Um, and he then did the second half with me. So I, had, I was kind of by myself for the first half, had a beautiful, quiet morning, but then was quite pleased to get some company uh, for the kind of the second half. Obviously less hilly. It's the old... Uh, Lantau Trail, so it goes around via Fun Lao and then uh, uh, you know around to Shikpik, and then you know so there's so there's a lot of kind of trails, not too not too many hills, um, a few bumps up and down, a few catchwaters, um, but then yeah, got back to uh, got back to Moi Wah in about uh, twelve and a half hours, so that was about just after four uh, in the afternoon, um, and uh, was feeling pretty good, you know, a bit tired, but. Uh, could eat some food, uh, 
had a shower at Lentau Base Camp, uh, and then uh, yeah, was was feeling pretty good. Yeah, and I guess uh, from there, yeah, you, you had a good night's sleep. Well, as good as you can get uh, for your four a.m. start in Stanley for uh, the next one. Uh, was it the Wilson Trail? The next one? Yes, yes. I believe it was. Yes, your fa- your favorite, the Wilson. Oh, yes. <laughs> So, yeah, so you started there at 4 a.m. And I guess uh, at night time doing the Twins and Violet Hill uh, wasn't too bad. Uh, but, yeah, explain uh, how uh, the good old Wilson uh, treated you. Yeah, I mean, the Wilson, that was definitely the hardest day was the second day. It was pretty humid and it got pretty warm during the day. Uh, it then cooled significantly kind of that night. Um uh started there with uh with a couple of the runners uh Elliot uh and Soho who joined me so that was great actually to have some company from 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 the start was feeling a bit tired but not too bad from the day before but you know the first thing you do is you climb the twins and we got halfway up the first climb and we were already sweating a lot from the humidity and so that just was a sign that it was going to be quite a long day um uh and so you know the thing with the wilson is it's it's really hard on either end on the hong kong island bit you're doing four four climbs um and then when you get to the other end you do cloudy hill and pats and lang um and so the start and the end are pretty terrible and then the middle is uh not as bad but but really technical in a lot of places um, quite slippery if it's damp, which it was. Um, there's a couple of places you can run, but there's not many places that you get much of a, um, you know, much of a flow going. So it it was just it just felt like it was quite a, you know, quite an effort kind of uh, just to keep going at each point. Um, we uh, yeah we got to we got over the Hong Kong island in about three hours and that you know that was still it was just kind of a nice nice sunrise as we came probably over kind of uh Jardine's lookout um you know good down to the MTR um but then yeah from there the whole Kowloon side it was just it was just quite an effort uh quite a lot of streams that were uh, luckily the streams were flowing from all the rain so we had some good opportunities for a few swims um we took a couple half hour breaks again that, that's a good thing about your own event is uh, you're not racing anyone. So we took half an hour in Shadon Pass and then half an hour at Taipo. Uh, and that was very, very helpful. Um, had a few people join us along the way. Uh, so quite a lot of company, company that day on the Saturday. And, um, but then the, the lowest point was definitely the final 20Ks from Taipo going over Cloudy Hill and then over Pats and Lang. Um, was pretty tired by that point. Um, started to feel a bit nauseous. Uh, thought I might lose my dinner as we went up the final climb to kind of Wong Ling and Pets and Ling, but um, managed managed not to. Uh, but yeah, just really, really went slowly um, and finished that trail at about nine thirty. And of course, you're finishing uh, in Namjong, which is in the middle of nowhere. So luckily, my very long suffering wife came to pick me up. So uh, uh, had a ride home, but still, you know, felt ill, had some, was trying to eat some food, didn't really feel like it, took an hour to get home, then had to kind of sort the gear out, have a shower. So by the time I got to bed, it was pretty close to midnight and I had to get up at 2.30 to then get ready to, uh, uh, to meet uh, Elliot uh, 
uh, on top of the peak and start start the next day. So that was definitely felt, you know, didn't get good sleep, woke up at 2.30, didn't feel like breakfast um, and really wondered how the third day was going to go. Um, but luckily, actually, it, it, it went all right. So, so from there, things started to improve. So, yeah, the third day, yeah, I did remember seeing some photos on uh, uh, the WhatsApp group, uh, the people following you, and you seem to be in uh, very good spirits. So uh, how, how did the Hong Kong Trail treat you on uh, day three? I mean, for a start, the good thing about the four and four, which is, so it is, and maybe it should be, should clarify, the four and four is an event that Andre Bloomberg runs over Christmas. Um, and it has a set of rules. And what I did was essentially an unofficial version of that. Um, I took most of his rules. I broke the one that said you weren't supposed to have people with you. Um, and, uh, and then, but I, but I kind of did the rest of it the way that he runs his event. So that means you run the trails forward. And the one that, that makes a big difference for is Hong Kong Trail, where you start high on the peak and finish low. So it's quite a bit easier than going you know, backwards in four trails. Um, and also when you do it in four trails, it's the second night. And so everyone is fighting sleep demons. Whereas, although I wasn't feeling that great, I'd, I'd had some sleep. So, um, so yeah, so it was, it was, uh, it was quite, quite good. It was a cool morning. And, uh, as we got started and then, uh, uh, JC Waiho and, uh, Camellia joined us as well. So we had, we had a good little group as we started and then it became kind of a party during the, during the uh, uh, during the day, we of course observed all Hong Kong social distancing norms, but we did have a few people join us uh, in in socially distanced groups during during the during the day. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, I just from 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 being worried that I was going to feel ill, uh, actually, it just kind of flowed quite nicely. Um, I think the cool weather helped, um, and uh, we managed to get to the. Halfway point at about seven thirty, and then got to Big Wave Bay um, before twelve. So that meant finished the third trail, uh, and it wasn't even lunchtime yet. Had had, had some lunch at at uh, Dalang Wan, and then had the afternoon to uh, to have a, have a bit of a nap and a, and a rest. So that was uh, quite nice. Yeah, that must have been a, a good uh, break for you there. Uh... And then, obviously, uh, you had the, the following day, which is the uh, the longest trail of all, uh, the Mac or 100K. Uh, so, yeah, let's hear about your uh, final day. Uh, well, I had very nice accommodations that night, courtesy of you, Steve, uh, <laughs> who very kindly put me up uh, about just a couple of Ks from the start at Pak Tam Chong. And that meant, yeah, the morning was definitely much much easier. Didn't have to struggle to get to Saigon from my home on Hong Kong Island. Um, so was very appreciative of that. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the Mac went, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a long trail and it was the only trail that I really had a cutoff for because again, using Andre's you know, rules, you start at 4am, but if you want to say that you did the four and four, you have to finish it before midnight. So you got 20 hours to finish the Mac, um, which, you know, for, for a trail runner is, you know, maybe not uh, an impossible task, but if you run 200Ks the few days before, uh, it definitely becomes a bit more challenging. Um, so I didn't really know how that was going to go, but uh, from having had quite a lot of sleep, a bit of rest, I woke up that morning, felt pretty good, ran the first 5Ks with you. It was good to have some company along the, along the dam. Um, and then I, uh, I had you know, a good few hours to myself. And again, it was quite nice to have some time. You know, that, that morning, saw the sun rise over 
Sawan Shan, you know, the beaches were very quiet, uh, you know, it was beautiful. So really enjoyed that um, and managed to make decent time. Uh, so uh, I was kind of, I wasn't, I wasn't too far ahead of my splits, but I was kind of where I needed to be um, in order to what I felt would be a pretty comfortable, um, you know, trail. I, I didn't want to get behind and then have to be chasing to try and finish by midnight. So, um, so uh, yeah, when I got to uh, the end of stage three at Kaling Ha, uh, Vic was back and Vic then ran 65 Ks with me from there to the end. Uh, and then we picked up another cast of characters uh, as we went. Um, and so, yeah, had, had good company uh, for the rest of that trail. And, uh, and yeah, just made good time. It was pretty easy. We got to Shatton Pass in about, in about nine hours. Um, and so I, I was pretty comfortable from there. I, I, I figured we could do the second half, you know, reasonably, uh, you know, easily if, if we were there, you know, at about that time. So then we just kind of cruised, you know, weren't trying to run too fast, um, just kind of enjoy the day. It was a beautiful day, uh, quite a bit cooler than it had been at the start of the weekend. When we got to, you know, Route Twisk, uh, we had some noodles, enjoyed those. And then it was just a matter of doing stages nine and 10, which, you know, are not very interesting, especially in the dark. It's all downhill. And at that point, we decided, well, okay, let's try and get this thing finished. So we ran pretty well. Uh, there are about three of us, um, uh, Vic, uh, Tom, uh, and Dolly. And so we ran pretty well. Uh, well, they were all running pretty slowly, but I, was, I felt like I was running pretty fast <laughs> and pretty much thrashed my legs at that point. Um, such that by the time we, we finished, I was feeling pretty tired, but did manage to run along the final catchwater, which was part of the aim, not 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 to stop, um, and got done at about quarter to eleven. So had about an hour fifteen to spare, uh, and that was yeah, quite nice, quite good. Yeah, I remember that because there's quite a bit of dot watching uh, during the last uh, two trails with uh, all these predictions. I think Brandon Wong was coming up with some predictions and uh, messages on Twitter and stuff. I was actually on my plane boarding my flight, watch, watching on the phone to see where you were and everything. And luckily, uh, just as we were taxiing out to the runway, you uh, crossed the finish line. So it was good to see you uh, uh, finish. And uh, a great achievement and uh, a great uh, uh, amount. I believe you made your target, uh, raising funds for RUN. So uh, congratulations on that. Uh, So, yeah, would you attempt the thing nonstop in three days? Oh, that's well, I mean, the thing is, so so I've done four trails in 67 hours, just under 67 hours. So that's like you know, two and three quarter days, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, what I found with the four and four was it was much more enjoyable. It wasn't as challenging. Definitely four trails is a lot harder. And so to some extent, I get more satisfaction from having survived four trails uh, and, get, and getting out under the 72 hours. But um, but yeah, definitely just in terms of enjoying the time out there, you know, not uh, being able to get a little bit of sleep between the trails still being you know it's still a significant challenge but it's much more doable for sure yeah i think the question is whether i would i would bother andre and try and do four trails again in the future and and to be honest i'm not sure what what the answer is to that um i quite liked setting my own challenge you know setting my own kind of arbitrary rules and then and then you know uh, uh adhering to those so one thing i did was i i, 
I invited all these people along, but I refused to take any support from them, which I was pretty good about. There was, there was occasionally we'd be at a shop and somebody would be buying the crisps and then, you know, we'd all have some. Um, so technically uh, I might've violated some rules there, but in terms of being on the trail, I didn't take anything that people offered me. So, um, so I was quite pleased to, you know, to kind of fit within those rules. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I just enjoyed kind of setting a challenge and then doing it. Um, and I think at this stage, you know, as a, as an older gent, um, I don't quite have the same impetus to finish things quickly anymore. It's more just about doing them and enjoying them and, you know, being out with people. And, you know, I think that's where I get a lot of the uh, satisfaction from. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Totally agree, uh, especially with the older gent bit, <laughs> being of, uh, in the over 50 club myself. Uh, just well, uh, one thing, uh, just a quick one. So in your pack, so when you go on these whole day things, unsupported and everything, so just an idea, what do you typically pack for that day? So, uh, obviously Hong Kong's good because most of the trails you can get some kind of support, although it is, it's a bit irregular. So on, uh, Lantau, the first shop that was really open was at Choi Hao, uh, which is about, uh, maybe 50 Ks in, um, because, you know, I was there a bit early at some of the earlier ones. So I would have a water filter with me in case I can't get a supply from, you know, from a shop. Um, I, in terms of calories, I would, I was taking a mixture of some gels, some spring energy gels and some, uh, goos, uh, and then also some honey stinger waffles. And I find the waffles work really well, particularly when I need something a little bit more solid. Um, but you don't want anything too difficult to, uh, to, you know, digest, uh, the waffles work super, super well. So I get, I get all that from gone running. Um, and then, uh, I would take some tailwind. Um, but I'd also, as I, as I'd go through a vending machine, I might take some Picari and kind of put that in my soft flask, uh, as I head off. So I've generally got, uh, I'll take a, a kind of a, a larger bladder in, in my backpack, which has got water and then some soft flask on the front, which have got tailwind or Picari or something like that. Yeah. And then a headlamp, rudimentary first aid kit in case I fall over, managed not to this time. That was a bit miraculous. Normally I'll skin a knee somewhere. Yeah, that's the main thing. Ah, that sounds good. Uh, did you have any challenges with the uh, vending machines? Like for myself, uh, the day I did the Wilson, which is the same day you did the Hong Kong Trail, virtually, I don't know if it was because of you or your, or your, uh, your uh, running buddies. I mean, I was finding all the machines empty. I got to Xing Mun and there was just uh, basically tea left there was no water no bakari sweat no coke nothing so I, that's what made it really a bit more challenging for me but how was the vending machines uh when you did uh your runs would could you rely on them uh yeah they weren't actually weren't too bad um i managed a time when it, when i came on the monday into kaling ha uh at the end of stage three of the mac uh the guys were there actually filling up the the vending machine with all the cokes uh as I was coming down the hill. So that was perfect timing. Um, no, the, you know, the water machine at uh, Leadmine Pass was, was closed. Uh, well, it was, was kind of empty. Um, but in general, yeah, in general kind of struck it, struck it reasonably lucky. Okay. Just slightly, slightly shorter runs, Will. Um, I understand you're now doing something called uh, trail running nightclub. 
uh, Monday night. So whether someone's a new trail runner or uh, more experienced as well, if they want to get out and run with you, you're now organising some socials, shorter than the 4x4 or 4 Trails Ultra Challenge. Certainly. Do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, the trail running nightclub and if people want to come out for an evening run? Yeah, yeah. So this is done through the uh, Hong Kong Trail Running Facebook page. Um, and it's actually something that uh, our friend Nick Tinworth had, uh, had set up a few years ago. And when I came back to Hong Kong in 2017, uh, it was a it was a, it was a monthly run that I went to, and actually I met uh, lots of people. I probably met you, Steve, uh, uh, there. So, um, so you know, very sadly, Nick is no longer with us. But we thought that it'd be great to you know, with, with the pandemic, you know, being a little bit under control, uh, maybe restart these. And so, uh, it's the first Monday every month. Uh, we post it on Hong Kong Trail Running. Um, it's one of Nick's routes, uh, and so that tends to be a bit of trail, a bit of shiggy up some hill somewhere, uh, you know, often a bit of a bit, a bit of pavement as well, so a kind of a bit of everything. Um, around about 10Ks, might take, you know, about two hours to do. Um, we start about 7 p.m. and then uh, always try and finish some, an establishment that will serve us some drinks. Uh, so it's, it's quite social, and it's really designed for, you know, all levels, but particularly if people are getting into trail running, maybe haven't done much night running before, uh, you know, we take it super easy. We'll go at the, the pace of the slowest person. Uh, we stop quite a lot to make sure everyone catches up. Uh, and, yeah, it's just a really enjoyable, nice uh, monthly run. Sounds like a great idea, Will. And uh, you're off to manage one of these after this recording. So we uh, better let you go. Thank you so much for joining us on our first track podcast. It's been fascinating to speak with you speaking with you and uh yeah we look forward to seeing you at these monthly monday night runs yeah well look everyone everyone's welcome to come uh and uh look it's been a pleasure talking to you guys uh always happy to talk about running talk about running in hong kong uh and uh well, yeah one of the highlights of the four and four was just seeing a lot of friendly faces out on the trails. so it's always good to see people out there yeah yeah it's a great community uh we have here in hong kong uh on the trail running scene. Well, yes, I, I just like to say a big thank you as well, Will, for this interview. Uh, it's been great. Wow, that was a great interview with Will. So inspiring, uh, just unbelievable. Uh, but what I want to know is, Steve, did it inspire you to have a crack at the 4 by 4 challenge? You know, are you up for it? Four trails in four days? You know, I'm sure you could do it. What do you think, Steve? I don't think I'll be doing that anytime, Steve. Uh, but it was really interesting what he said about the big step up in terms of distance is when you go through an entire day and night, a whole sleep cycle. That's a whole different ball game. So for anyone planning on graduating to a miler, or doing more than a miler, you know, there's so much more to think about than say a hundred K, but it was also good to hear what he was talking about in terms of, you know, sometimes he doesn't feel great and uh, he sometimes almost be revisits his lunch. It means he's human as well. Well, what's coming up in Hong Kong just before we finish off is uh, despite the disappointments of you know, OTW we had recently, there is still quite a lot coming up. 
just before that announcement, there were a couple of 100k races that had announced dates. So Hong Kong 100 had announced theirs. Uh, Nine Dragons from Race Base put a date on Facebook. Solomon 100 had a date. None of those were open for registration yet, but I think the OTW announcement obviously complicates things. Uh, the official Facebook for Hong Kong 100 suggested they're talking to the authorities to see if they can do something smaller scale. So we'll just have to wait and see. There are still some shorter races coming up. When I say shorter, you know, Action Asia have a couple of 50Ks. At the time of recording this, the Lantel 50 for Action Asia on December 4th is almost full. They're about to open their Saikong 50, which will be on 15th of January. There's also some other shorter races. There's Four Trails Mini. Uh, that's a series of four. They've already had the Hong Kong one. Still got the Wilson late November, Lantau in December, Mac Ohos in January. So still some things to look forward to. I know some other organizers are trying to get things confirmed. Yeah, XTE are working on HK168 and the Ultramarathon Saikong, but it's obviously not easy for organizers right now. But hopefully yes. we'll hear soon. It is all unpredictable at the moment, and it must be really tough for organisers uh, to you know, to get around these restrictions and uh, not getting uh, you know confirmation that the race will go ahead, you know, because you need it written, uh, but they're not getting it until a few days before the race. It, it's just uh, it's just really challenging, but at least there are some smaller races going on. Uh, so hopefully, uh, you know, we can talk about those and uh, see how things develop. And uh, yeah, it's an unpredictable scene and everything's very fluid at the moment. So uh, let's see what happens. Anyway, so that is enough uh, from us until the next podcast. Uh, so please join us uh, for the next one. Uh, you can find us all on the usual channels, uh, iTunes, Spotify, etc. And uh, for now, it's uh, goodbye from me. And goodbye from me.